What's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Adam Rittenberg is joining us, senior college football writer at ESPN. Before we get to Adam, please, guys, take a minute, leave that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Helps us out tremendously, and we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in return if you do it. Uh, just leave us that rating and review and send me a screenshot of it to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you guys doing that. All right, Adam, uh, college football playoff selection, not a lot of drama around it, what we expected. But after the last couple of weeks, anything that has changed your mind to make you believe that we are going to be expanding this thing anytime soon from four teams to, say, six or eight? Right. Well, I don't think anyone has a problem with the, the four teams that, that were selected for this particular model. Uh, you know, kind of worked itself out, and it usually yeah. does uh, more often than not. Uh, but I still think that there should be a larger playoff. And I think it's not a good thing when a conference like the Pac-12 is not part of this for three consecutive seasons. Everyone just wants to rag on the Pac-12, but it's still bad. It's bad for the sport when a large portion of the country has really no interest, to, no reason to tune in, even though there's some great games. Certainly, especially the Ohio State-Clemson game out in Arizona. So I, I just, again, I look at playoff uh, just generally different than a lot of people. I think that it should be national. It should be inclusive. It should be about opportunity, not necessarily about always, well, let's just limit it to, to these teams because these are the only teams that can win. If, if, uh, if baseball did that, there would only be, you know, maybe three teams in the playoff. If the NFL did that, are you going to have an, a playoff with four teams? No, you're going to have it with a much larger uh, field because that brings more fan bases and more portions of the country into it. But the actual selections, I don't think anyone has a problem with. Well, now, Adam, to your point, and I've heard this a little bit from Pac-12 folks lately, and I don't blame them one bit for pointing out, hey, it's tough to win nine conference games, right? I mean, you look at uh, the Big 12's got to do that. They play nine conference games as round robin, obviously. Uh, the Pac-12 does it, and the Big 10 does it, right? The SEC and the ACC don't. Can we at least get formality on that? And, you know, how close are we to that potentially happening? Not close at all, because there's no reason for the SEC and the ACC to go to nine conference games. Yeah. And there's not enough clamor from those other conferences to start changing things. And so, if, you know, again, if, and I would, I would point out that a lot of the ACC teams especially still play strong Power 5 opponents, or at least a couple of Power 5 opponents outside of the conference. Clemson, for example, even though their schedule didn't help them this year, they did play 10 Power 5 opponents, the same amount as most of the teams in the Pac-12. So can't fault them for that. Uh, but as far as incentive to make your schedule tougher, absolutely not. If, if anything, there's an incentive to make your schedule easier, which goes to my initial point. Why should everyone be making their schedules easier? Why is that a good thing for the fans, especially when this sport has the shortest season of any other sport, a major sport in the country? So let's give fans more compelling games, and then let's give more opportunities to teams around the country that's going to create a, a better race for a national championship, in my view, than saying, well, well, everyone else needs to come to nine conference games. I just don't, I'd love to see that, mm -hmm. but it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I, what concerns me is the Pac 12 saying, you know what? Even though we uh, struggle with attendance and we struggle with TV ratings, let's make it easier on everybody and go to eight conference games and find the easiest Power Five opponents outside the conference to play, and maybe we'll get in the playoff. Like, that shouldn't be the answer to this. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Adam Rittenberg's joining us, uh, senior college football writer at ESPN. And to parlay that into the Big 12, Adam, I mean, you know, if Baylor had won that game on Saturday, 
there's a lot of people, maybe Oregon included, who would have said, hey, Baylor played nobody in the non-conference, but because they're a one-loss Power 5 champion, they're in, where if Oregon didn't play, what, Auburn in the non-conference, maybe they're a Power 5 one-loss champion, right? So it would have actually potentially had a, a negative effect on the committee, which has told us for years, we want you to play tough non-conference games. That's true. The, the, the counter to that is Baylor would have better wins than uh, Oregon, and they would have a better loss. Uh, the you know close sure. loss at home to Oklahoma after they led the game you know by what was it twenty eight to three in the first half and mm-hmm. so um, I, I'm with you I think Oregon would have I mean again a lot of people wrote this after the Pac twelve championship game there was no reason for Oregon to play Auburn if Oregon had played some scrub maybe they're in the playoff as a one loss Pac twelve champion with just the, the single road loss to Arizona State. Um, we don't know, but I, I think it would have been very difficult for Oregon to get in ahead of Baylor because the Bears would have not only the win against Oklahoma, but you know a win against Oklahoma State, a win against Kansas State, you know some some decent wins there. Whereas Oregon would only have the win against well, they'd have USC and they'd have Utah. So maybe it would have been a little bit closer, but um, I, I don't think it would have been particularly tight between those two. Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo, and hey, bowl season is here. Don't let up now. You got bowl season. You got the NFL, of course, in full swing with the playoffs right around the corner. And it's the chance to get in with our partners at mybookie.ag. They are giving you a 50% match on your deposits when you use the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, for a 50% sign-up bonus. That means you put in 500 you get 250 free. You don't have to unlock it or anything like that. It just goes right into your account. We're going to have picks for you throughout the entire uh, Big 12 Bowl season. It's going to be fantastic. And we're on a roll, by the way, with those picks. I mean, we are rocking and rolling. 15-4-1. Uh, the last few weeks in our Big 12 picks. So get on board now, mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, to get your extra cash from mybookie. You can't beat them. They got the parlays. You want to do that. You want to mix it up outside the Big 12 with some uh, UFC or NFL. They've got it all for you at mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, for the sign-up bonus. Bet, win, get paid at mybookie. He's Adam Rittenberg, a senior writer for College Football at ESPN, joining us here on the show. So, you know, Adam, as you look at this playoff now, you mentioned obviously at the top you have LSU, then you've got Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. You know, I'm sure you watched a lot of the show on, on Sunday. It kind of feels, and I understand OU and Big 12 fans feeling slighted, it kind of feels like everyone's looking at this as a three-team playoff, and oh, and then there's OU. Um, you know, we saw this conference play pretty darn good defense this year, better than expected, I think, by most estimations. And OU's come on pretty strong as of late on that side of the ball. Uh, how fair is it to kind of look at this as a three-team playoff? Oh, and then Oklahoma. Yeah, no, listen, Oklahoma is a formidable team. And they, the one thing that they have over both LSU and, and pretty much the entire Ohio State roster is that they've been part of the playoff. You know, Jalen Hurts has obviously been part of the playoff with different with a different team, but so have those other Oklahoma players, and that should give them an advantage that maybe only Clemson can enjoy, that they're used to this uh, stage. Now, they haven't won on this stage, but it's not going to be unfamiliar for them. I just, again, it's going to really show how far that defense has come in year one under Alex Grinch, who I have a lot of respect for, and I think he, he does a terrific job there. So, um, you know, I, I just wonder, though, do they have enough in the secondary to slow down 
this a group of receivers who no one really has slowed down consistently all season. And that's what worries me is if they can't get to Joe Burrow, um, how are they going to stop Jamar Chase? How are they going to stop Justin Jefferson when Georgia couldn't do it? Georgia, let's face it, has better defensive players than Oklahoma does. You know, when, when Florida couldn't do it. Let's face it, Florida has better defensive players than Oklahoma does. So if they're not going to be able to put up a big number offensively, and keep in mind, LSU knows Jalen Hurts. Defensive coordinator Dave Miranda knows knows Jalen Hurts, and so that's uh, I think an advantage for another advantage for LSU going in. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very good point. Uh, now, Adam, as you look at at you know the Big Twelve in general, you had a Baylor team that was top ten in the country in defensive efficiency. It seemed like a lot of uh, folks kind of realized that as the season went on, especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, when they, you know, beat almost beat Oklahoma, uh, beat Texas, smoked Kansas, they're finally starting to see this defense for what it is. Uh, and the, and the, you know, I think that the conference in general, I understand why it got a bad rap because for a decade it felt like the conference didn't play defense. Are you starting to see that tide turn in the Big Twelve, and and will it eventually get that national recognition? Yeah, no, I, I am. You know, I talked to Matt Rule about this, and I give Matt a lot of credit. I think for starting to change that. You know, he was that first you know new hire as far as a coach coming in from another conference who you know just grew up playing complimentary football and uh that's how he's had success at temple that's uh what he learned at other spots along the way certainly you know when he played at penn state that's how they won games and so i think you're seeing that at baylor that they don't just rely on their offense but they also rely and probably rely more on their defense to win games this year and that's also reflected with some of the other hires in the conference, Kansas State does that now with Chris Kleiman. Neil Brown, uh, you know, they're, I think they're going to be better on defense going forward. You know, Matt Wells wants to be there on defense and, and start to win more games with that side of the ball. So you are starting to see some changes. And then obviously Texas, you know, they're going to be redoing their defensive coaching staff, even though they seemed like one of those teams that did really buy into defense. Alex Grinch and the success he's had at Oklahoma, even Oklahoma State, I thought played better defense down the stretch uh, that, that helped them after you know they lost their quarterback to injury. So, yeah, I, I think the Big 12 is starting to shift a little bit. It's still you know, going to lean offense and lean passing and quarterback play, but that's really the case around all of college football. You're also just seeing you know, better uh, defense being played and more emphasis being put on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Adam Rittenberg is joining us here on, seven, on uh, Heartland College Sports Weekly. So, you know, Adam, as you look at uh, this conference, obviously – there's six teams that are going bowling. There's four that are not. And when you look at the four that are not, uh, West Virginia, Texas Tech, of course, in that list, uh, Kansas and TCU. Of those four, and, and you know, three of them have new coaches, obviously, who do you have the most confidence in in really turning things around here moving forward? Is it Gary Patterson at TCU? Is it Matt Wells at Tech? Uh, is it Les Miles at Kansas? Or is it Neil Brown with West Virginia? Well, I, you know, I think all four have a chance to turn things around. I mean, historically, it's Gary Patterson. You, know, yeah. you just don't see TCU being, you know, quote unquote, down for a couple of years like this. And you know, they have a young quarterback who I really like, and Max Duggan. And you, know, you just look at Gary's track record that, you know, typically his defenses will be among the best in the Big Twelve. Uh, but you know, it's an important off season, and it's important to get this thing back on track in in uh, in 2020 because I thought they would have a good chance to rebound this past year and it just didn't happen and uh, you know those other coaches I, I you know, I'm a big fan of Neil Brown I think Neil Brown is going to get things going 
in Morgantown, and you saw flashes of that this year. Their roster just isn't where it needs to be, uh, but that should start changing. So I, I think I would put him number two uh, on that list. Also, Matt Wells. And then obviously, Les Miles has the hardest turnaround just because of uh, the history at Kansas and the roster situation. And the fact that the Big 12 is, is really hard to move up in. I mean, I've talked about this with coaches in the league uh, throughout the year is that you know, there's just a lot. After you get past Oklahoma, there's a lot of teams with comparable talent. Um, and even Texas. Uh, so it's hard to go from, from 10 to 8 or from 8 to 6 or from 6 to 4. Uh, but uh, but I, I would say TCU is probably the best uh, chance to turn it around. Yeah, Adam Rittenberg's joining us, senior college football writer at ESPN. Uh, speaking of Texas, Adam, I mean, uh, Tom Herman cleans house. How much pressure do you believe that he's under uh, heading into next season after the way this year went with 7-5 and five record? Yeah, I think there is mounting pressure. Now, you know, Chris Delconi, their athletic director, is not the type of guy who will be rash in trying to fire coaches. I mean, he was at TCU with Gary Patterson, yeah. so he knows the uh, benefits of longevity, and I think he has a lot of support still for Tom. But, you know, anytime you change coordinators, you're putting more pressure on yourself as the head coach entering the next season. The other thing that's hurting Texas is the fact that Oklahoma just keeps winning the conference and keeps making the college football playoffs. And Texas doesn't do those things. And that needs to start changing, especially when you have a four-year starter in Sam Ellinger, a quarterback who I still think can be one of the best quarterbacks in the country if things work out in, in 2020. I mean, his struggles were uh, one of the more surprising things late in the season, in my mind, in the Big 12 this year. So there's certainly a lot on the line uh, you know, because they've recruited well, because they're Texas, because they're telling us that they should be competing for uh, much more than they were this, this past season. So it's a very important offseason as far as the coaching hires and then, the, and then ultimately the development of talent for 2020. Adam, last thing for you here. Um, as OU gets ready for the college football playoff, you know, they've been in it three years in a row for the past five years. Uh, they have not been to a championship game. Therefore, the Big 12 has not played for a national championship game yet under the new system. How much does OU need this game for not just its own purposes, but for, you know, kind of that conference hierarchy that we always talk about, or is that overrated? Oh, I think it's important. You know, again, I, I, it reminds me a little bit, I know you covered the Big 12 primarily, um, of Kansas basketball. Kansas basketball wins the league every year, and they don't win enough championships, in my view, um, or don't, don't make enough Final Fours. And so Oklahoma wins the league every year, but their, uh, you know, their shortcomings have been exposed in this national playoff. And, and now they're going up against uh, you know, an incredible team, an incredible quarterback, in what will basically be a road game in Atlanta. And so if they're able to pull this off, uh, that will really help, uh, you know, their profile and also the profile of the Big 12 going forward. Um, you know, because right now it's it's looked at as you know the the SEC, the Big Ten, and Clemson, you know, being sort of the you know premier uh, conferences of college football, especially with Ohio State you're performing like it did this year. So, um, uh, so it's very important for the Big 12, you know, as a playoff participant almost every year with Oklahoma also start having some playoff success. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's Adam Rittenberg joining us, uh, senior college football writer. ESPN does great work. Adam, thank you so much for the time. Uh, we really appreciate it. All right, thanks, Pete. Adam Rittenberg, great stuff out of him. Appreciate his time, as always, here on heartlandcollegesports.com. Guys, please leave that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, take some minutes. We'll send you a free koozie if you do that, by the way. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will get that koozie in the mail for you guys. Thanks so much. 
Hit that subscribe button, and we'll talk to you soon.